This podcast is sponsored by Google Search. It's where your customers find what matters to them and where you can find what matters to your business. To learn more, visit g.co slash think slash search smarter. And that's g.co slash think slash search smarter. Hello and welcome to Marketing That Matters, a podcast series from Marketing Week and e-consultancy sponsored by Google. Over the coming weeks, we'll be looking under the bonnet of how brands are transforming their approach to digital marketing, covering customer experience, e-commerce, search, and much, much more. My name is Russell Parsons, Editor-in-Chief of Marketing Week, and I am your host. Our subject today is ancestry and how it is riding the wave of surging interest in family history. It's a story of category creation and evolution, of savvy use of search and standing out in an increasingly competitive market. Now, I have two key architects from Ancestry to tell that story. I have Gillam Duprat, who's International Media Director, and Joanna Gajewska, who's Performance Marketing Lead. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hello, Russell. Thank you for having us. Now, where is it? It's a pleasure to have you with us. Now, let me start with you, Gillam, if I could. I know you made a strategic change last year to focus less on the DNA element of what you do and more on the family history. What was the reason behind that change in direction? So it's actually a change we started in 2019, but really massively realized in 2020. And the reality was mostly following the, the market trend and market demand. DNA is something that had been incredibly successful across the world, but in particular in the US. It's not something that was as successful in the UK compared to, to America. And in particular, what we saw is in the UK market, people were interested in their, in their family history, the story of their family and building their story. So while DNA was a part of that, they didn't see necessarily DNA as a as a specific thing that we had to to talk about. So really, we refocus on our, our foundation of family history and family stories uh, with a, a new brand campaign and brand platform called Bring Your Backstory to Life, which you must have, uh, you probably will have seen on, on TV and elsewhere. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's been the catalyst for change. And that's been also accompanied by a, a shift in our strategy from a a more acquisition-focused strategy to much more balanced brand and performance strategy that, uh, that's been very successful for us. And how was that informed by uh, Insight, uh, finding out what customers actually wanted and how did you find that out? Uh, well, partly we are, you know, we are a, a website uh, and, you know, people come to our website. So it's very, very quick generally to see what people respond to just by them, you know, responding to our, our ads online and coming to our website, converting or not converting. So that's that's one of the, the key drivers. We could see the response that, that we had to, to different messages. But also we did do, you know, consumer research and testing focus groups, you know, some of the more traditional marketing methods that we looked into to understand what motivated customers to research their family history and therefore what messages would uh, would resonate with them best. How did things change during the uh, pandemic? Uh, was there any quirks or changes that you saw increasing demand, for example? So in many ways, I would say that our category followed a lot of what the, the market did. So we don't think that the pandemic changed or created behavior. What it did is really um, 
made everything bigger and more visible. So in the same way as e-commerce was already an emerging you know, trend, the pandemic really transformed e-commerce and e-shopping. Same with us. It was a category that was already growing in the UK market significantly. People were interested in it. And we saw that boom in the category just accelerate through the pandemic. So it really accelerated something that was already there as opposed to create a new behaviour is, is what we saw. I mean, I suppose you're blessed in, in a way in terms of the product that you offer in potentially appealing to, well, almost everybody. Uh, certainly everybody has got an interest in their family background. But is there a typical ancestry customer? Have you identified a type? That is something we debate at great length internally, of course. Uh, to a degree, everyone has an interest in, in family history. What we do tend to see is a type of customer that uses our product, not so much because they're more interested, but mostly because they have time. Uh, and that, you know, we are very time consuming, you know, products. You don't subscribe to our, our product and then get, you know, get spoon fed. You have to, to work at it. And that's part of the enjoyment for our members. But that means people need to have time in their hands. And what we have seen where the pandemic has certainly given us is more people being at home with time in their hands, which is where we have been so successful. And you're right in that we have been very lucky that we had a product that was a match for those conditions. So, yeah, we, ha we have seen that accelerate significantly. And in terms of the type of people that we have, they tend to be slightly older because older people have more, more time on their hands. But we've seen that transforming more recently and we've seen much more young people also coming to our products. I mean, we hear a lot about customer journeys. I mean, talk to me a little bit about a typical uh, journey to ancestry. And then once they're there, where does it go? I mean, let's start at the beginning. What, what tends, to, uh, tends to bring them to the site in the first instance? So there's... From a, a personal point of view, a customer point of view, there's many triggers that are generally incredibly personal. It can be a, an event in the family, a birth or a, a passing, perhaps, a marriage, a, a transition, people retiring and suddenly, you know, looking for new times. So often a life event would be the catalyst and the trigger for that. But obviously, you know, the, the interest in our brand has been created long before that. So what we see and what we tend to see is programming, TV programs, particularly things like Who Do You Think You Are on the BBC or Long Lost Family on ITV have really been, uh, you know, giving people a flavour of what family history can do and can deliver, the, the emotional benefit, but also the, the interesting stories you can uncover. So often those become the trigger and when time or life events uh, trigger that, you know, that action, we see people coming, uh, coming to our sites. Uh, there's also sometimes the calendar, I would say, around a news event or thing like anniversaries. Uh, we've seen, for example, last year, VE Day, 75th anniversary of uh, the end of World War II, which was celebrated on TV, in the news, plenty of documentaries. It just generates interest in, you know, what did happen to my family during the war? What did they do? And in those moments, people tend to come to our site to look for answers. Do you have a, like a, a calendar of events uh, that you give mind to when TV series are starting or being repeated or, or, or some of those other calendar events that uh, do lead to a surge in demand? Are you, are you in line in block with those? Yeah, absolutely. And we can see, you know, there's either events like I just described, for example, you know, V-Day or Remembrance is always a, a key moment for us as well. But it can also be things like, you know, Christmas is a, or Easter, a big time for families to get together to share stories about families, which generates interest. And we do leverage that by, you know, through our communication, through our messaging, sometimes through promotion that we run around those moments. So we do see that. We also see, as I said, TV programming being incredibly important. When Who Do You Think Your Eyes On TV, generally we see a surge, not so much a surge of new customers, but 
surge in interest from our, our existing members, you know, coming back to the site and re-engaging with the, the content. And sometimes we are we are surprised to see a spike in traffic and realize there was either a segment on TV or a particular program that we hadn't necessarily thought of that has triggered interest. There can be many triggers for that. What we try and do is be as present as we can with our, our brand messages so that when people do get that trigger and that interest, we're the first brand that comes to mind. You talked about uh, your brand building campaign a moment ago. And uh, I see that all of the time when I'm uh, on various video and demand services. You obviously are target audience then, Russell. Well, I am of a certain age, as you identified earlier on, therefore inherently interested in finding out from whence I came. But um, just just dwelling on that brand and, and building your brand, I mean, what, what are you trying to say about yourselves that positions you apart from, as I mentioned in my intro, apart from competitors in a very, very and increasingly competitive market? What's what's ancestry got that others haven't? Oh, we have we, we have many things. We ha- we have scale first of all, just know. a few. <laughs> in, in in our category, what's one of the things that is important to our members is you know the ability to find all the records, all the content that matters to them. So we are one of the the biggest sites in terms of the, the volume of content that we have available, and that's very important because you know if if you're looking for your ancestors, you want to find the detail about your particular ancestors. So the more content we have and the more records we have, the more likely we have to have the one that matters to you. So I think that's incredibly important. That's kind of the rational side of things. But also, and what we communicate through our brand messaging is more the, the emotional benefit of what you can uncover. And sometimes what we've been focusing more and more is less about discovering the names or the dates of birth of your ancestors in kind of traditional family tree, but more uncovering the, the stories, you know, was your great-grandmother a suffragette, for example, or, you know, did your great-grandfather or great-grandmother fight in the war? What were the experiences? If they didn't fight, you know, maybe they were a land girl in, in World War II. You know, what, what was the experience of your ancestors? And trying to bring those stories to life, hence the, the tagline, bring your backstory to life, which is what it's, it's all about. When it comes to the customer journey, just returning that for a second, obviously you've talked about acquisition, getting eyeballs onto the site and starting that journey. What, where does retention come into it? How do you keep people? I mean, is it a case that people will keep coming back for more? And if so, how do you how do you approach that? So yes, you know, as we said, we're a subscription business, so people pay us a subscription fee, you know, you know for, for our services. So retention is incredibly important. Part of that comes from just having the the volume of content and the, an experience that will make people want to come more and more. So that's through the, the product that we do. Part of that also through our communication and email and CRM in particular, and giving people uh, new reasons to come back to the site, giving them hints, tips, uh, talk about the new collection we're launching, uh, looking at you know new things they could uncover that they may not have thought of. Through the pandemic, one thing we realized uh, we had a lot of new members who maybe didn't really know our, our site very well or how to look for it. So we did a lot of Facebook Live events. Uh, sorry, Google, but uh, we did a lot of you know live events on also on YouTube uh, for you know some of our pro genealogists uh, to explain how the site works, the kind of content you can find, the kind of stories you can uncover, but also answer questions directly from our new members. And we find that incredibly engaging for especially new members who don't necessarily know where to look and where to start. Other platforms are just occasionally available. Every so often. Thank you for explaining all of that. Joanna, you've been sitting there patiently. Thank you very much for joining us today. Let me dig into search and the role of search in Andrew's story and indeed success. Uh, and what is the approach to search advertising and optimization? If you were to sum that up, how, how would you do so? 
So search is definitely a huge part of our demand capture activity. And we strive for the last few years, we strive to have a best-in-class program and we utilize a lot of uh, tools, latest tactics that are available for us in the market. We work closely with our agency partners and Google to be always, you know, upfront in terms of optimization and latest products that we utilize. We use a lot of automation. So to summarize it, I would say we focus a lot on automation and machine learning to make sure that our activation team has a lot of time to deliver creative excellence and to test new products for us to assure, you know, ongoing development of our program. Just talk to me a little bit more or if you could illustrate what what you mean by uh, machine learning in in this context. Uh, What does that actually mean in terms of output? We have a lot of great tools available from our vendors for search specifically. We're using SA360, which allows us to use different types of automations. And those automations use machine learning algorithms that help us to optimize our activities in real time. What it means is that the algorithms are using much more data points that we would be able to tap into if we were doing that manually. And also using the automations that we have implemented, the tools that we're using currently are helping us learning what we've done so far based on the targets that we have set in place. And that's what helps us to be successful in campaigns like sales or BAU campaigns, let's say. How would you say that your approach to search has changed over time in in your time? Has it evolved? Oh, yes, definitely. So I've been working in performance marketing for 11 years now, and it has definitely changed and evolved massively. The main point would be actually the shift from manual optimization, massive keyword lists and vast accounts that we would build up back in the day to what we have now is to have smaller, more agile accounts using a lot of automation, as I mentioned. So automation that help us optimize bidding, the auction bidding, budgets, and so on. So using automations based on machine learning, as I've mentioned before, a lot of using a lot of dynamic solutions instead of putting a lot of restrictions, manual uh, restrictions in place. And instead of being very granular with the setup of your account, is to focus on big data sets. So going away from smaller data sets, massive accounts into smaller, more dynamically optimized accounts. Thanks for that. Well, if you could just uh, hold any further thoughts, I'm going to bring in Nana Bergman, who's industry manager at Google and that works with Ancestry. Welcome, Nana. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Tell us who you are, what's the nature of your job and how you work with Ancestry first, please. Thank you for having me, Russell. So I'm Nana Bergman and I'm essentially an industry manager at uh, Google. As such, I work closely with the Ancestry team as well as their agency Performix on helping them optimize the search program and generally their their digital marketing efforts. 
And I would say kind of working with them over time, we've managed to kind of build this open, very transparent relationship, which has kind of allowed us to brainstorm and solve problems together, which has really built kind of a, a strong partnership, which has been really exciting to work with. Uh, talk to me, you mentioned problems there, so problems, challenges. Talk to me about some of the challenges that you face with these guys and how you overcome them. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say one of the challenges that we've kind of tackled together has been creating growth with search kind of beyond that core genealogy audience. And one strategy that that Joanna also highlighted has kind of been to use Google's automated bidding tools in order to better utilize what we call the long tail keywords within search. And this actually proved particularly useful when lockdown hit and this kind of demand for genealogy really started to search because a proportion of of that demand actually came from an audience who was newer to the category and therefore did not necessarily search for the keywords and the search terms that we were used to seeing and that kind of the usual suspects would be using and why these kind of longer tail and, and much more specific granular search team became increasingly important but let me kind of explain what we actually mean when I say long tail. So the way that we as human beings kind of search and find information today has really kind of changed over the years. And because we today can get an answer to any question we can ever think about um, exactly whenever we want it, and, and kind of Googling has become, or searching, has become much more kind of embedded into our lives. So it's actually the way that we go about it. And if, if I give you an example, right, if, if let's say I'm invited to an 80s themed party, Five years ago, I would have probably gone in and searched for like 80s outfit in order to understand how I should dress for this party, right? Whereas today, because I'm so used to just asking Google for exactly what I want to know, I would go in and search for the exact question of like, how should I dress for an 80s themed party? And if I had been bidding as an advertiser just on 80s outfit, my ad wouldn't have showed up on that very specific search because the specific keywords isn't included in that. And what, and what we can actually see is that, in fact, every day, billions of people, they actually kind of customize the way that they search and that the vast majority of searches are unique to the individuals and would actually feature new keywords, and new queries that have never been seen by the Google search engine before. So you can say that, therefore, the challenge for brands, just like Ancestry, kind of becomes how do you actually kind of tap into this very granular kind of longer tail search queries that people today tend to do, right? And as you've kind of heard just before from Joe, like previous strategies really focused on manually inputting every single keyword and going really granular and, and kind of getting to kind of like that state of like having a massive account with an ad group for every single keyword. And, and to be honest, that can be a bit of a hit and miss. And it's, it's also, as you can imagine, extremely time consuming. Whereas today you don't have to do that because you can simply use what we call broad match keywords, which will automatically include these very granular search terms if and only if the intent signal is relevant and the algorithm is kind of telling you this specific query from that specific individual is relevant for your business. That's when it will be included. So as you can imagine, there's kind of there's really kind of power in that long tail um, combined with, with the automated uh, bidding solutions for brands that they can really benefit from. And and it was kind of one of the ways that we managed to kind of grow uh, for Ancestry into kind of a new audience within the category. For all those that are listening that, uh, even those that 
don't do business by serving those in the market for 80s themed outfits. Uh, I mean, what uh, what would you advise them? Where would you advise them to start in terms of uh, maximising the long tail opportunity? So there are absolutely still many brands out there and, and agencies that use manual bidding and, and kind of the, the, the classic granular keyword strategy, which can be a bit tough to shake. But my personal advice would be to use experimentation because it's a great way to kind of be able to prove and show that value to a wide range of stakeholders whenever you venture into new methods like this. We were super fortunate to work with Performix, who's the agency, performance agency of Ancestry, and, and they're really kind of strong on search marketing and always kind of push for best in class. So together with them, we could run a 50-50 test in order to kind of prove that business value of, of using automated bidding. We saw a really strong lift in conversions, and which naturally kind of helped get buy-in for more senior stakeholders. I would say another important piece to kind of keep in mind is to get your first party data in order. It's really kind of a key ingredient uh, that will help you elevate your marketing and, and differentiate your business because the first party data will kind of help the machine learning work even better for your specific goals. Whether or not we're talking about search or indeed anything, I think that's good advice. Get your first party data, if you're blessed with first party data anyway, in order and uh, and better things will follow. Uh, Nana, that's great. Thank you. I'm going to return to uh, Gillam if I could bring you back into the conversation. Let's, let's look forward a little bit. Let's have a chat about what's next for Ancestry. I mean, in terms of the next few years, where do you go from here? So I think Nana gave some really interesting example of the, the, the type of searches, the type of uh, you know queries that people have. And I think more and more that's where we, we get into. So we are blessed with having a, a very large brand name that's also a category name. So a lot of people search for ancestry directly, and we're very lucky in that. But also some people search for the name of their great-grandparents or for some occupation or for an address and try and find information about that. So I think trying to serve all those different needs for people entering the category in many different ways is very important. And I think also this is where as great an opportunity as search may be, we also need to go beyond search itself and look at, you know, both awareness, silence, driving activity through, you know, broadcast media, whether that be television or YouTube, but also, especially in a category or a product like ours, which isn't easily understood by everyone, trying to do education around, you know, where is the product does, where is it can deliver, where is it you can find, how easy is it, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's a, it's probably a big job that we need to do. There are a lot of people that are aware of our brand that still don't quite know or understand what it is exactly that we do or that you can find on our site. And I think this is where we can do a better job of getting them to step in and, and do that final search and then come to our site and, and discover stories be more things to more people at more times and yes better educate what's what's possible as well yes i mean no small tasks there but uh, ones that should yield uh, some significant rewards thank you for that for both organic search and search edge uh, they both enjoyed a surge in prominence in 2020 uh, for reasons that we've discussed and some of the things that we've dug into as marketers look for the most cost-effective way to take advantage of shift to online what do you think the lasting impact of this will be on SEO's role in marketing? If I could ask you to get your crystal ball out and think about the long term. So SEO has always been important. I think people have just forgotten about it because Google have been so good at you know selling their, their product that uh, people just became a bit lazy sometimes or treated SEO completely separately from, from SEM. I think what's really important is looking at the, the value that paid advertising brings in paid search and how incremental that value is to organic. And in many respects, 
sometimes you just don't need to bid on a term or to serve an ad. The organic will do the job very well by itself. And if you focus on the incremental lift and incremental conversions that paid search can give you versus organic, as opposed to looking in absolute terms, I think it really resets your mindset. And actually, it makes you focus a lot more on that long tail, which is generally where organically you're not doing as well. So I think getting that shift from your cost per in absolute on paid search into incremental value that paid search brings you will make you look at SEO very differently. But I think one thing that a paid search can deliver much better than organic always is going to be the, the personalization that you can deliver through that. Because in organic, it's going to be very hard to have all of your pages on your site to rank organically. And I think this is where using a mix of first-party data or third-party data, as well as the intent behind the search and serving a very personal experience to the user at that point in time, I think that's something that paid search can deliver better. Meaningful personalization yes. that does actually take people on a relevant journey is absolutely key yes. generally for all marketers in all vertical sectors. So thank you for that great summary, great point to finish on. Uh, thank you, Gillam. Uh, thank you, Jana, And thank you, to Nano for the conversation today and sharing detail of Ancestry's journey. Until next time, from me, goodbye. You've been listening to Marketing That Matters from Marketing Week and eConsultancy, sponsored by Google with me, Russell Parsons. This podcast was produced by Tim O'Donoghue from Bauer London Creative and edited by Rebecca Sentence. Look out for the next episode in which I will be talking to IG about connecting with new audiences. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast is sponsored by Google Search. It's where your customers find what matters to them and where you can find what matters to your business. To learn more, visit g.co slash think slash search smarter. And that's g.co slash think slash search smarter.